Hello and welcome to the podcast of TechEU. I am your host, Andre Degeler. In today's episode, I would like to play you back a conversation with Per Vegard Nerset, the CEO of CMR Surgical. This company, if you haven't heard about it yet, has recently raised 600 million US dollars to further work on its robots, which can help surgeons perform keyhole surgeries. Let's listen to this one together. Hey, this is Robin Waters from TechDU, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, as usual, by Pech Wegert Nerseth. He is the CEO of a company called CMR Surgical, based out of Cambridge, UK, a medtech company that builds and sells surgical robots. Per, thank you so much for taking the time to join us for the podcast, and please uh, tell us in your own words uh, what CMR is and does. Thank you, first of all, for of course, allowing me to be with you here today. It's a great pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, so CMR Surgical, as you said, is a company that are have developed and are today uh, selling and uh, deploying surgical robotic uh, systems for soft tissue surgery. Basically, uh, instead of doing manual keyhole surgery, we do keyhole surgery with a robotic arm or with four actually robotic arms. And as a company, we have been exceptionally fast and we are very proud of that actually in six years time. We went from a wooden prototype to actually having done keyhole surgery on more than 1,000 patients. As you said, we are based out of Cambridge in the UK. And we have today all the deployed systems and assault systems in Australia, in India, Middle East, and across multiple uh, European companies. And it is a fantastic uh, opportunity. Today, a huge part of the world still only get access to open surgery. And even though there are clear benefits of uh, having keyhole surgery, unfortunately, too few people around the world have that. And our mission as a company is really to bring keyhole surgery to millions of people around the world. So that's a short introduction. Yeah, no, great. I was actually going to give some context for the readers because keyhole surgery, I didn't actually know what that was until I started preparing for this interview. It means uh, minimally uh, invasive surgery or minimal access surgery, uh, as opposed to, as you mentioned, open surgery. So uh, with minimal incisions and whatnot. So uh, for that, of course, you need a lot of precision, which, you know, robotics in theory tends to do better than, than human beings. Is that a correct statement to make? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the way you can probably ask. So why, why is it that a fairly few number of patients around the world actually get access to keyhole surgery? It is really because doing manual lap or manual keyhole as another word is actually very, very difficult for the surgeon to perform. It has clear advantages. You don't have a big cut. You have so less wound infections. Generally, you're getting out of the hospital much earlier. But as I say, it is very, very difficult to perform for the surgeon. And this is really where when you're putting a robot between the surgeon and the patient, it is much, much easier for the surgeon to actually perform the keyhole surgery. So that's one of the real, real benefits. Great. Uh, you recently had some big news to announce, but before we get to that, maybe some basic background about the company. Was it founded within sort of the Cambridge University ecosystem? Uh, who founded it? Why was it founded? How many people do you have? Some basic facts and figures, basically. Yeah, yeah, the company was founded by five founders, all coming out of the Cambridge, I wouldn't say not university, but sort of the economic and the, the, the tech development circles around Cambridge. 
they had all been working in uh, in somehow developing uh, medical technical equipment for years and somehow were a bit astonished by how few people actually got access to keyhole surgery and then also why was it that there has been one existing robotic systems in the market for quite some years. Why was the penetration so low? And they started to look into so into some of these reasons, and they come up with the idea to build a robotic system with a very, very different uh, design architecture, very disruptive technology, which then led to the development of Versus, which is the name of our system. Uh, which then is a soft tissue surgical robotic system. Yep. Um, you also describe it on your website as a combination between hardware and software. So it's, it is not a pure robotics play, of course. It, it's sort of a, a system on its own, uh, both the software and hardware. Definitely. I mean, there are, of course, uh, a lot of technology going into the hardware, but the whole controls... We are having, of course, a very high-definition vision system, which can also then be magnified multiple times. And then you have a big digital piece on top of it, because both when you do an open surgery as well as doing a manual keyhole surgery, you can't really collect any data. But again, putting a surgical robot uh, system in between the patient and the surgeon, you really are able to collect a lot of data, which we can use. We analyze that data and we bring it back to the surgeon so they actually can perform better healthcare for our patients. Yeah. Um, now, uh, surgical systems, robot, robotic systems, uh, it's sort of the thing that you, you sort of heard about for years that it's been in place. And at the same time, it sounds incredibly futuristic. Have you come up with an answer to the question that you posed earlier? Why has the penetration uh, in relative terms been so low over the last few years? Yeah, I think I think uh, there are multiple reasons, but uh, I think the technology has been seen as complex, uh, partly. I think that there has been a cost element, and we, when we went to the market, we also came with a very different business model compared to what has been normally. So we removed the whole high upfront investment that you need to do because we have we are using a pay per procedure type of business model. So kind of complex technology and a high cost, particularly and high upfront cost. So that is the is for the one reason. Then maybe the third one would be that many of the surgeons obviously that we have had in the uh, or has been operating for the last years are of a, a little bit of an uh, another generation. But if you see the doctors, for instance, that are being educated today, they are getting, they are more coming out of the digital time frame. They are used to maybe game consoles, are used to dealing with hand controllers because a surgical robotic system is in many ways a master slave system. It is the doctor, it's the surgeon who actually control every movement of the, the, the robotic system, very unlike the industrial side, where actually the robot is programmed to do the same emotion all the time. Here, the doctor is in control and using the, the robotic system in many ways more as a tool. So that, I think that's maybe three at least reasons why the uptake has been relatively low up to now. Yeah. 
I can think of another one, and do correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that it's also the infrastructure that's already in place in hospitals, where essentially not every hospital, of course, is the same, not every operating room is the same. Uh, you have to be able to sort of fit it into physically in the room, but also into your existing processes and whatnot. Is that also not part of the, the reason? Or Definitely, and I'm very happy, actually, that you asked that question, because when we developed Versus, we decided to have a very different design philosophy where we have made small modular arms that, first of all, fits into every operating theater available today, at least what we, what we have seen. And secondly, you can easily move it from one operating room to another operating room, which then can keep the uptime. Also, with the way we are, I'm not going to go too technical or detail here, but with, with, with four individual arms that can be placed individually relative to the patient, you can actually have what is called a port placement, very similar to how you would do for a manual keyhole surgery, which then also means that a doctor who has used to do manual keyhole doesn't really need to learn how to do the placement of the port placement and actually how to operate differently to what he has used to, which also makes it much easier for the surgeon. Great. Thank you for the summary. So this risks being a very, very stupid question. I'm still going to ask it. Does uh, the development of a system like yours, like Versius, happen uh, almost in the same way as any other, uh, let's say, a smartphone where you have several generations, you did the prototype and the testing period, and then you sort of upgrade as you as you go along? Or, or is it different? Can you update, for example, the software over the air uh, with existing systems and, and, and whatnot? We definitely, in many ways, follow the same the same pathway. The only thing is your last comment about the software. Currently, for very much for safety reasons, we are not upgrading the robotic system remotely. That is done uh, locally in order to make sure that we are not in the middle of a surgery or anything. But otherwise, yes, we are following the path. We coming out to the system, we, we, we use it, first of all, for testing, then we do it with patient, and then we do upgrades as we move on. And I am pretty sure, as for a some of the phones we may be very often using, there are different models coming out over years. And I am very confident that also at, at CMR, we will see over time a versus later version. Yeah. And for that to happen, of course, you need capital. And that brings me to the news that you recently announced. You guys have raised a $600 million round at a $3 billion valuation with investors like SoftBank and Tencent and, and a bunch of others participating. So what can you tell us more about this funding round? How did it come about and what are you going to use the money for? Yeah, first of all, I would say we are super excited, obviously, for, for that. We set sort of uh, out for, for raising money and we were very oversubscribed, which meant that we could even raise more money than we initially had planned. And uh, I think we have seen that the market really believe in the technology, believe in us as a company, which, of course, is a great, great thing to do and to, to know when you are uh, a CEO for a company. But I think we will really now use this money to further accelerate our growth, accelerate our expansion into new markets. That would be number one. And number two, we will further expand, just as we discussed about uh, the technology. When we come to the market, or when we came to the market with Versus for the first time, we had sort of the ba all the basic tools that comes with a robotic system because you need a robotic system, but you also need different instruments that you actually 
practically operate with inside of the in the body. And we came with very basic instruments. And we will, over time, like to expand uh, into new and to bring additional type of instruments. But at the same time, uh, I, I already mentioned the importance and the, all the benefits of the digital space. Having Versus as a center in the whole digital ecosystem, we really, we're going to use some of this money to further expand the digital space the digital offering, so we can continue to help bring even better patient care. Quick question on the second uh, note that you made. Where is the technology actually being developed and where are the systems being manufactured today? Today, all the technology development has been taken care in in Cambridge in the UK and also all the manufacturing. And we still do all technology development and manufacturing outdoor cameras in the UK. Obviously, we we buy a lot of components from different parts of the world, but the assembly and the design is done in Cambridge. Fantastic. I didn't actually know that. So this is very interesting. Um, and on your first note, uh, of course, market expansion is an obvious one when you raise funding. But what, what, what does that mean in practice to expand to new markets? Obviously, you want to sell to more hospitals, but does that mean setting up sales offices? Does that mean sort of partnering with existing organizations, uh, depending, of course, on the country that you want to expand? In? But what does that mean in practice? Yeah, I think in practice, it really means uh, very much what you said. We are but we are already active in, in Australia. I think I mentioned that in, in India, Middle East, and across Europe. We would like then to get into new markets. So we will we would like to see ourselves in South and North America. We definitely want to further expand in around in Asia. But it is when we go into the market, we, we have chosen to go direct uh, in, in all large major markets. And we do, we have also decided to go um, indirect and with distributors in a few markets. And, and when you go direct, uh, when you're going to implement a surgical robotic system to hospital, there is actually quite a lot of basic infrastructure we need to have before we are ready to do so. We obviously need a team who's going to talk to the hospitals about uh, telling them about all the benefits of versus. But we also will need, when we have an order, we need to train the surgeon. We need to train the whole operating room uh, team and staff. And we need, obviously, to have a service team that are there to make sure that uh, the uptime is there all the time. So this is the important part. And so to build that up in multiple uh, countries, obviously, is a, it isn't necessarily difficult, but it is just a huge amount of work. And in order to do that, we need, we need to have more people. That, that expansion is then what we're now really going to accelerate moving forward. Yep, with the Series D financing as well. Now, one thing that struck me when I was browsing your website is that the system also helps surgeons in the sense that they, it can prolong their careers, can sort of alleviate some of the, the pains and the problems that they have uh, while doing uh, keyhole surgery for long periods of time, and also helps them have longer careers where they have to retire perhaps a bit later than, than they normally would. Yeah, that's really a really good good comment, and I'm happy that you mentioned that because I did mention that of course that is very difficult to perform manual keyhole surgery. But I would also say it is actually very hard on the body uh, from an ergonomical point of view for the surgeon. If you do a, a a manual keyhole surgery, or for that sake, an open surgery for six, seven, eight hours, and you really have to be standing in awkward positions for hours and hours. Unfortunately, a lot of doctors actually get injured and need to stop 
too early. And I think the, the learning we have seen is that, as in many uh, professions, the longer you perform and for many years you, 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 you perform a certain surgery, you become better. And here then is really one of the benefits of Versus. Versus is a we having a console that the doctor uh, sits in front of with hand controllers and he can be he can he can operate that system either sitting or standing which and he can then really be sitting in a very or standing in a very relaxed position where they, where they really can prolong the time they actually perform surgery both within a day but then also more long term that they don't get injured yeah. Amazing. But it would seem to me, and correct me if I'm wrong again, but uh, you don't necessarily sell directly to surgeons, of course. You sell sort of to the hospital administration and, and, and the governing board. Um, how difficult is that sales process and how long is it uh, typically? You're absolutely right. I think that there is, first of all, is a, is a, as, as for all relatively high capital or equipment of this type of nature, is of course, takes longer time. So I would say, a typical sales process is six to 18 months. So it takes time. And I think also correctly, there are very many stakeholders at the, at the hospital or a trust that like we have in the UK, NHS trust that owns the hospitals. You need obviously to talk to, to the surgeon, but not only one surgeon, because very often we would like to have different type of uh, surgeon to, to use the system. So we want to have urologists, we want to have gynecologists, we want to have people working in the colorectal and multiple areas. So you need, of course, to, to make sure that each of the specialists actually get to have their opinion because the, and then you need to get to the C-suite at the hospital, which are looking at the, everything from the financials and, 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 and all the benefits. But it is very clear we see today that we hear that from many, many hospitals around, in particular in Europe where we have, where we have got this, that more and more hospitals actually, in order to attract new surgeons to a hospital, actually it is difficult if you can't offer the doctors actually a surgical robotic system. So it is quite interesting. So there is a, a really strong pull from the surgeon but again, we need, of course, to also make sure that the hospital and the leadership, the C-suite at hospitals, of course, are in line with the, with the decision. That means there's demand. That also probably means that you're not the only one on the market. Um, so what does the competitive landscape look like uh, in Europe in particular? No, it's, we are not alone, but there has been quite a long period of time where there's been one incumbent player who has had, had almost monopoly for about 20 years. So we are kind of the... The, 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 the really the first company that's been able to get to the market with a competitive type of solution. Market has been, even with kind of a one supplier in the market, has been growing at a keg of more than 20% for quite some years. And I think as we are coming in and over year, over time, they will probably come in some more players. Uh, I think we're just going to see that growth continue to grow even faster than today because the more... With, with different technologies, I think the market is just going to expand even more than it has done in the past. So I think there are room for more players. And I think we will see a market growing even faster than the 20% KGV I've seen in the last five to 10 years. 
time. Fantastic. So you're in the position of a challenger, sort of the underdog, which I didn't know, uh, but it's quite quite a nice position to be in, I think, if you're an innovator. Speaking of positions, uh, you're the CEO of the company, but if I understand correctly, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not actually, you weren't actually part of the Cambridge ecosystem and not even the founding team of the company. You only joined uh, relatively recently. Uh, is that correct? That's absolutely correct. I have not even been working in the in the healthcare or in the medtech space before. So I used to work for a large industrial company. I had all worked a lot with robotics. I was the head of a fairly large robotic company. In fact, one of the largest in the world. So I have long, long, long experience in the robotics area. But uh, the medtech and the healthcare and Cambridge is for me a new area. And it's been very, very fascinating. And I think both the technology we are working on with Versus, as well as our mission to really help millions of people around the world, really makes it meaningful to go to work every single day. And then we have a fantastic team here in Cambridge and, of course, around the world, uh, helping us to deliver on our mission. Yeah, yeah I'm, sure, I'm sure that resonates uh, with you or resonated with you when you joined the company. But you're now 18 months in, I think. Uh, what, what have you learned about sort of the, the Cam- Cambridge and, and the wider UK um, tech ecosystem or medtech ecosystem, uh, if you want to be more specific, uh, in the time that you've been with the company? It is cl- very, very clear. Uh, obviously, I don't have a long experience in the Cambridge uh, kind of ecosystem, but it is very clear that there is tremendous amount of very skilled people coming out of the university, obviously. A lot of innovation going on. And you see a lot of startups actually being built in the this ecosystem. And I think there is a lot of learning also between many, many companies. I think that we also got the question many times. So now we're obviously UK having left uh, the European Union and would that be very difficult? So far, I have to say we have seen very limited uh, challenges linked to that. And we see that actually being a UK-based company also have many benefits. And I think UK has a very, very uh, competitive and a very strong healthcare system with the NHS. And when you are able to be uh, successful in the NHS, actually, that means that you you need to have a very competitive, you need to have a a system that really brings value to patient. And as we have been able to to really sell in quite a few systems in the UK, we see that also being a a strength for CMR uh, being based out of the UK. Great. Uh, maybe as a follow-on question and, and probably the final one, um, but do you think Europe has an edge, also with your background in industrial robotics, for example, do you think Europe has an edge when it comes to deep tech, uh, sort of high-tech robotics, when it comes to the rest of the world? Can we still compete? Can we still sort of play with the, with the, in the big leagues? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, our, our uh, uh, incumbent player in the surgical robotic area comes from the, from the U.S., but if I'm looking on the industrial side, Basically, there has been two locations, been sort of Central Europe and there's been Japan, which in traditionally has been the uh, the areas where robotics has been developed. So, yes, I think Europe has definitely a lot of strong uh, educational uh, opportunities to, to study robotics and automation. And I think we definitely have a strong opportunity moving forward in, in even expanding it to more, uh, more companies and more technologies in this area. 
Well, on that note, it was a real pleasure to learn more about CMR and your plans with the, the massive amount of money you've just raised. Uh, really looking forward to the rest of the journey. I'm sure you have uh, as well uh, quite excited. Uh, but Perry, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, best of luck with uh, the rest of the journey. Thank you for having me, Robin. And this is it for our today's episode. Big thanks to Per Wegert-Nerset for coming on the show, to Robin Wouters for recording this conversation, and big thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts, and if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Audio engineering for this podcast is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are always very welcome. Send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I'm Andre Degler, and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, take care and enjoy your week. Bye-bye.